Welcome to Tarpod, the podcast for everything talent acquisition and recruitment. We're informative, controversial, and a little bit crazy. Now, please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. This week's episode, we're talking to Eden Haddock, talent manager at Flybys. RL100 member and queen of talent. So welcome board. Thank you, queen of talents, love it. (laughs) Great to be here. Thank you for coming. So as we start off every interview and chat we have with everybody is, how did you get into recruitment? Uh, So yes, the the million dollar question. I think we all have an exciting story about how we got into recruitment and none are traditional. and the same, really. I was a florist up until I was 28. Oh, wow. So I managed the flower, the flower shop at David Jones, and then I had my own business with a friend. I sold that in the global financial crisis, and like everyone else, fell into recruitment, really. So this is, um, I'm in my 10th year, so it's my... Um, so you've always been internal recruitment and talent no, acquisition? No, I started, my first role moving into HR and recruitment was actually with the Chamber of Commerce, because I was a small business owner, and they were looking for small business owners to educate their members on um, the Julia Gillard Fair Work Act that came out at that time. So I, quite a few of my um, clients that I was managing and, and helping with the Fair Work Act was, they were recruitment agencies. So one of them tapped me very soon into my <laughs> tenure there. And that was Jeff Slade at the Slade Group. And I um, haven't looked back since. So yeah, yeah. Fantastic. What do you think? I know that you, you were at Slade and Rubicor and yep. and Robin at the end, of, then you went to Monash. You I did, to, yeah. So what was the biggest change going from agency to in-house? Absolutely. Look, it was really, really difficult at the time and I'm, I'm thankful that I don't think it's such a difficult transition for people now, but I was very passionate about moving into internal recruitment and um, really aligning myself with one brand. I'd become a specialist within insurance. I wasn't really that excited about insurance at the time. So I took a very, very short stint temporal within uh, Monash Uni. It was only for six weeks and I ended up staying there for about 18 months. So it was a really good um, training ground for me, but a very operational, transactional approach to recruitment. It wasn't very hands-on, it was quite administrative, but it was a good transition to get into internal and learn how to build those internal networks. It's Mm. complex when you're dealing Mm. with, you know, a university of 10,000 staff. Um, But it was was exciting. I got to work on some really cool projects, a transformation of a faculty and academic recruitment that I never thought I'd get an opportunity to do, lots of international experience there. So it was, yeah, it was great. It's great to hear. So you only started with flybys earlier this year? I did, yes. Right. Craig, I think you've got something you want to yes. say there. Yes, so we've had um, an external person, a great, a great fellow of our industry, describe <laughs> you as such. You are the man who has torn up the recruitment handbook and placed the candidate firmly in the centre of experience. So we want to hear all about that. Oh, I love that. I love that. So no, that's been described very well. Um, I'm going to have to steal that, I think. Um, So look, really for me, I, um, after Monash, and as I said, I was contracting there and the contract just continued. I went back to um, insurance because that was my bread and butter and I got a national TA manager role within a life insurer. One of the things that I found really challenging towards the end of my tenure there is you feel like you're on a hamster wheel. It's very difficult to attract claims 
games assessors, it's a unique skill set. And, you, and you're just on that merry-go-round of constantly trying to find the same people. And you, you get into that rhythm of perhaps not necessarily putting the candidate first. So when this opportunity came up at Flybys, um, it was incredibly exciting for me because we're in a startup. Believe it or not, I mean, Flybys has been around 25 years, 8.5 million active members. So a quarter of the population are actually using the Flybys program. So it's so much bigger than I ever anticipated. But we're a relatively small company. We're only 120 staff. Wow. Um, Can I just tell us why you've gone back after 25 years to startup mode? Absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's a really interesting story. So Coles was owned by West Farmers and Flybys was a Coles brand. Yep. West Farmers and Coles separated. Neither of them wanted to lose flybys. So as you can imagine, the 25 years of consumer data, we, we really are a heavy analytics business yeah. um, driving whether it's trading, campaigns, you know, we're, we're, we are the go-to um, for that. So West Farmers and Coles neither wanted to lose us. So they set us up as a joint venture, they're 50% ownership. And we're out on our own to really carve our own path now, which is really exciting. But with the backing of our, our parents, I suppose, financially, <laughs> um, we're like the, the, the kids that have left home, but our parents are still bankrolling us. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can they please adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, really exciting time. I think, you know, the, the way that was described, uh, we've been in that really fortunate position of having a really strong brand, but we've never had an employer brand. Um, we've never had our own recruitment processes. We've never had our own recruitment philosophy. You know, we were managed as out of coal share services. So we've set up a, basically a business, whether it's people and sustainability, whether it's legal, our technology, platforms where we're in startup mode so it's it's pretty exciting so we can do what we think is right that's yeah. that's and what do you think is right look for me I think we are really behind we're, we're very as a society we have advanced rapidly everything is so instant if you want to um, go on a date you just need to jump on and download an app and there's someone <laughs> waiting for you out the front of your building you know I mean it's everything is so so instant and it's all about the end user it's all it's you know it's it's all you know customer experience is at the forefront of everything mm -hmm. but for some reason not recruitment yeah and we're really far behind and we're still operating in the way that we operated 30 years ago I mean you look at behavioral interviewing that came in in the 70s and it's still what everyone does yeah. so we just kind of thought okay we're, we're a unique business we're in a unique situation let's just start from scratch and just forget everything Everything. I mean, I, I could have easily gone in and set up an interview guide and, you know, chosen a platform that was what the ones that I've used before in terms of, you know, applicant tracking systems, yeah, yeah. but none of it really connected with me and I didn't think it was right for, we're, we're a, you know, talent short market when you're dealing with a lot of analysts, there's not mm. many out there. And I just figured why not recreate recruitment that's right for us. Really? So how did you do it? Yeah, good question. Um, it's really peeling it right back. So at, at the forefront of everything that we're doing in terms of, I guess, selection, if we're looking at talent selection, is putting values at the forefront. But of course, we needed to define our values because yeah. our values were the Coles values. So, you know, I know this is a bit of a wanky HR term, but it's that human-centered design. It was a lot of workshopping, a lot of uh, meetings with our internal teams to really define who we are as an organization, what our values are, and then working out how do we find the right people for 
for us. So in some ways, what we've designed in terms of talent acquisition and talent management has been designed by our people because we've made sure that's where we started. And as I said, I've put values really at the front. You generally, if you're looking at behavioural interviewing or traditional recruitment, you're kind of looking for skills and attributes and experience, but I've ne it's never really made sense to me to look at educational qualifications or to look at tenure in particular roles and trying to really match people sidewards. And it, it feels like the recruitment industry has fallen into that trap to say, okay, I've got this role, so I'm gonna find someone that's done that role previously. Absolutely um, agree. Yeah. You can't always say that education's going to get you through the front door and things like that, because mm. I've met so many people in tech who are self-taught in coding, and they're some of the best coders I've ever seen in my life, and never stepped foot in a university. Yep, and I think that's going to be, you know, that there's going to be rapid shift with technology recruitment particularly, mm. because if you look at our education system, it takes two years to write curriculum, it takes four years to teach people, our technology is advancing faster than six years. So Absolutely. you kind of graduate from university and is the technology that you've learned that was well, developed six years ago that still That takes relevant? us down another rabbit hole then. Education's not keeping up with the technology. Then yep. is that going to bring back to some of the old values of the internship slash apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is the key and mm. something where we're really deeply exploring at the moment, particularly for STEM. So you're talking technology, but for us as well, the mathematics and the science mm. side, you know, when you're looking at people that are analyzing data, the platforms that they have available to them now and the technology that they have available to them now is just like um, mm. the coders you're talking about. It's advancing so quickly. Mm. So, you know, we're thinking, well, do we need to have a graduate program or do we want to be targeting high school students and do we want to actually be educating them ourselves and that's something that we're in deep dive at the moment trying to define what that could possibly look like and I think that's where STEM will shift to and where recruitment will shift to rather than your traditional graduate programs. I think in, in terms of um, professional streams, mm. like anything from accounting through technology through, you know, the, the thought of picking someone up at high school level yep. is is really unique. Yeah. Um, and you know it's just it's something that clearly is is, is ahead of its time in terms of, of yep. looking at it. How do you implement something like that and, and then do you so do you have to create something internally in your own business to provide that apprenticeship if you like or internship? Absolutely, we would need to create it 100% because I, there, there are some organisations, I know Deloitte and IBM have apprenticeships and they're, they're doing really, really great work. They're doing really great work with, I guess, how would I describe it, I, I, the diversity around neurodiversity as well um, and looking at non-traditional pathways for people that perhaps learn in a different way. We need to define what that would look like for us. Yeah. So we're in that position of being in set up and we were thinking, well, okay, is it time for us to start working on the graduate program and we've kind of gone do we really want a graduate program and do we want to actually look at something else and look at an apprenticeship so if i was to apply for a role with flybys now yeah what am i going to experience that's so different to any other application and absolutely absolutely it's a really great question i think firstly we, we you will notice that values are at the forefront of your selection i did so. I, saw, I noticed that when you go onto the website and you look at your careers page the first thing that i think is six values that uh, came up yes yeah yes. well um uh, oh god i can't even i know <laughs> counting well i better um because i actually think it might be five it is five but it's um yeah <laughs> I was five. so yeah so look 
like the way our, our teams and our employees defined our values are around be generous, be passionate, be relevant, be united and do the right thing. So that's really mm. primarily our selection philosophy to make sure people are aligned to that. So I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just that kind of naff behavioural interviewing trying to draw out values because it tends to be what we've always done and we worked with, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Weirdly in New Zealand. They do, yes, I have actually. Yeah, really, really impressive. So we worked with them. They've got org sykes and we defined a tool where people, I, th I think it's really important to take a step back actually that people are no longer really looking for opportunities based on reward or REM or benefits. They're really looking for that alignment to an organisational, an organisation's values or... Social responsibilities. Exactly. I think exactly. That that's huge now. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to develop that tool and weirdly we're really supportive in, in us getting that together to make sure that people could actually look at flybys and say, okay, I want to see what their values are and I want to connect with them and see if there's a connection there for me. So it's almost like they do, it's it's almost gamified or it's, it's like a quiz that they do where they go through and they find out, you know, which of our values they're most strongly connected with. It's a values connection tool and that really is at the start of their process. Which so, again is, is something that's totally flipped in most cases because people go through the traditional recruitment processes before they even before they assess it yeah absolutely and it's a, you know generally assessed at interview and then I've heard and I talk about this because it, it really makes me cranky but I've even heard consultants in the past on the phone saying oh look sorry we just didn't really feel you're a right culture fit for us and because I hate culture fit I even hate the word culture I avoid using it as much as I can I but think people need to be a culture ad not mm. a culture fit yeah absolutely I mean it's it's uh, who's to say that someone that is very different to the vast majority of your population isn't going to contribute and enhance that culture. Mm, exactly. It's, it's absolutely spot on. And I think, you know, we're looking as individuals, like I said, it's so accessible. We can look and find out about companies. We, you know, we're no longer in the background relying on recruitment agencies to sell us companies or to mm. sell us organisations and what they're all about. It's one touch. You jump on Glassdoor, you jump on their company mm. webpage, you will know what mm. their organisation stands for or you'll know what alignment there is there and that's what's going to attract you in. We, we as humans, I suppose, we want to do that background work with everything that we do. We do it when we travel, we jump on TripAdvisor, we, you okay. know, it's, it's, that's what it's yeah. all about. And this is all about putting everything out there and letting people understand who we are to interact with that tool to make sure that connection's okay. there and then they'll come through the process. So, so people are better, sorry, engaged or connected before they, they're sitting in front of you. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, we want to shift at the moment shifting away from the traditional job board and advertising and you know we've developed that talent community where people can connect and say hey do you know what they're really aligned with me the stuff that flybys are doing and who they stand for I want to reach out to them and we're shifting into that talent community and then actually you know selecting people from that community. So how are you getting people into the community? Yeah absolutely place? look it is when you jump on our careers pages when you do that research about flybys join the talent community is there right away do our values connection tool right away that's, that's at the forefront. Explore opportunities is a little bit lower. But I think, you know, we, we haven't reached a point because like I was saying, I think um, recruitment is rapidly changing at the moment. And there's a real buzz in the air for people wanting to do something different and wanting to recreate processes and 
and, and how we, we go about selecting talent and how we onboard talent as well, that we're still relying on some of those traditional pathways. So you'll still see Flybys ads on Seek and you'll still see LinkedIn ads, but you know, moving forward into the future, it's more about connecting with those, I guess, um, job groups, those talent yeah. groups and making sure that they've got that connection throughout. And when opportunities come up, we can reach out to them. Mm. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, I, I go to Vic Women in Tech oh, great. and things yeah. like that, mm. uh, promoting diversity that way as well. And it, it, you reach out and you get some amazing contacts through things like that and it helps solve your recruitment problems. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. We've talked about the engagement and the talent community part of it. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the um, interview stage. Absolutely. I don't believe in behavioural interviewing, so a lot of people might be horrified to hear that. You the gasps. Um, the gasp, and <laughs> I don't believe in interview rooms either. So they're, they're two big things for me. I think coming out of my first internal role was within a university and university and government, you tend to do panel interviews. It's mm. all very formal. Yeah. We're not a formal organization. I mean, we don't, we don't wear suits. We're very um, open and I casual. Want... I know I'm sitting here in bright yellow, not that any of the well, listeners can hear I watched your videos that. on your recruitment page the other day on, and a day in the life of a flyby. Oh, fantastic, yeah. And people getting to work with different ways and Absolutely. going to the city of Melbourne. It was fabulous yeah, yeah absolutely and I think you know to your point when it comes to interviewing we want to we want to bring that bring that to life you know we we are a, a we're a ultimately we're a tech startup we're a modern yeah. business where you know we're not a traditional um, corporate as we've we've been in the past so I think for me I don't want anything formal when it comes to interviewing we're not there when we catch up face to face to assess skills and capabilities yeah. or even attributes because we've done that earlier on in the process and you know uh, it, it, it's it's not what it's all about it's about connecting with someone and it's about getting to know someone so we um, at the moment we're in a temporary building and we will be moving into our new building hopefully by the end of the year but we have our interviews in an open space it's more a conversation it's sitting down and talking it's questions of each other but not formal yeah. and I think you know for me um, I don't like the formal interview rooms because people are very guarded. You know, you're sitting in a suit and you've got your shoulders up and you've got people staring at you. And so it's very difficult to break down that barrier and that human connection. You're out of their comfortable place, really, aren't you? You yeah. are, yeah. yeah. Apart from specific workplaces, most people don't wear a suit unless it's a wedding or a funeral. Yeah. And, um, you know, taking them into a four-walled room where they, they, it starts to encroach on them. If yeah. It's very rare that you can get the best out of someone in that sort of formal situation. Absolutely. And the only thing you can compare um, traditional interviews to really is a police interrogation or a court <laughs> hearing, you know? It's just like, it's scary. You know, you don't want people firing questions at you and you're trying to think, oh my God, how the hell am I going to answer this correctly? Mm. You just want to get to know the individual yeah. and get to know the human being and the human side of it. So it's worked really well. It's been a little bit of an adjustment for some of our leaders to be sitting really? out in an open space. But they're all they're all loving it now, so and I think yeah. If, it, if it's not formalised, right? Yeah. Playing devil's advocate here. If of it's course. Not formalised, and you haven't got set questions. You're asking the same way to the same people. Yeah. How, how do you analyse or, or measure the success of 
one candidate in, in the face-to-face -face interview phase yeah. against another candidate. Absolutely, and, and I think that, that raises a really good point because as I said earlier, we're assessing those skills and capabilities earlier. You know, we're, we're, we're assessing that earlier in the piece. So, and then after that first round interview, you know, we, we, have, we have case studies or we have role plays. You know, we've all got the technology to do that. Yeah, if yeah. we need to assess, you know, if I'm looking at, you're talking about coders earlier, and if I'm looking at analysts and I want to see, you know, what their level of proficiency is in, you know, R, for example, I can send them something to complete that, or they can come back and they can use our systems to complete that. So that's not what an interview is about. I don't think an interview is about assessing skills. I don't think it's about assessing capability either. It's more getting to know the human being. And, and those conversations tend to be able to draw out a lot of that information as well. And that's where your style or your process really differs from traditional, isn't it? Because mm. that interview phase, that face-to-face -face interview phase where you said like a police interrogation yeah. is really in, in traditional recruitment is when the majority of decisions are made. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and I don't think that is the right point to make the decision. I, again, agree with you because mm. people are not in their comfort zone. They're yeah. out of their comfort zone. And you're going to bring candidates whether they're ultimately successful or not, are mm. going to have a, a positive experience? In Absolutely. That and like you were saying with the, you know, the um, creative content that you've been saying that we've been sending out in terms of flybys and finding your place, and uh, I might actually talk about find your place for a little bit in a moment too, but you know, we, we want to make sure that that experience, you know, this is all about candidate experience, the experience reflects our employer brand. If we're going out to market to say yeah. this is who we are, and you know our employer brand is 100% reflective of who we are as an organisation and what it's like to work there, mm. why then, at the point of them actually meeting with us face to face, do we want to shift that? You know, why do we want to then formalise everything and make people uncomfortable and people nervous? So and it brand, just doesn't make sense. Um, I think most people out there, even though a quarter of a, a quarter of the population are members of they Fly are, Life, yes. Well, most people out there probably don't know that you've been in startup mode. Don't mm. know that you've separated along with that mm. Um, mm. marriage breakup. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. mum and dad are supporting you out on your own. Yeah. So the, the as a consumer. You, you don't know this, you don't yeah. know the difference. So how, it, obviously you've got to get that out exactly. as an employer now. Yeah, and it's been really challenging. When I, when I first started on, and I knew I needed to define our employer brand because we were now our own unique employer, we were no mm. longer Coles. So a lot of people that I was talking to very early on before we had released all of our creative collateral, when I would speak to them, I'd say, you know, what's really attracted you to this opportunity? Oh, it's at Coles and you know, Coles is local for me and you're such a big organization and so it, it, it was a real challenge for us to say okay well we need to define this and we need to work to actually say okay well who are flybys and how can we disconnect the assumption because there's, there's been that history with Coles and, and also West Farmers how can we actually break down those barriers and define our so own path. So you're a 25 so year old startup. We are a 25 year old <laughs> startup yeah. So we're going to actually end this episode here now but we're going to next week have part two of this. So great. Um, so Eden's gonna stay with us here in the studio because yeah, it's a table in an office. Um, oh, it's very glamorous. It's very so, cool. Uh, make sure everyone comes back. Bar fridge. Yeah. Everyone comes back next week and we'll continue this conversation and pick it up again with Eden. So thanks for joining us this week. Okay. Thanks, we'll guys. Catch you all next week, guys. See you then. Thanks for listening to Tarpod. 
please don't forget to subscribe and look out for upcoming podcasts.